0: Well, hey, dude. What? Have you ever heard of the War of the Worlds broadcast of 1938? <laughs> Are you teaching me today? Yeah,
1: you told me. I know. You told me to come
0: prepared. I know. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted it to. I wanted. To, I wanted to catch you off guard with it.
1: Ah, uh, interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Remember
0: how that one episode we talked about George Orwell, and I thought we were not talking about George Orwell. No. I thought we were talking about uh someone named Orson Welles, And uh, uh and that's who uh, I am interested in. <laughs> yeah,
1: ah, <laughs> so, okay, okay, okay. so that's
0: what we're gonna go over uh cool. tonight. Um Oh, I said tonight. You guys tell you that I've been up since five AM. Uh That's wild. On three different planes. You weren't up since five AM.
1: You were up since seven AM.
0: I was up well, it was five AM in, in the time that I went to sleep in.
1: You wait now What? <laughs>
0: In the time zone that I went to sleep in, I woke up at 5 a.m.
1: Yeah, that's right. I know, but, <laughs> but you're not in that time zone anymore. So really, it's like 7 a.m. because it's been there's there's two hours that you gained.
0: Let's just start this whole freaking thing. <laughs> 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 um, well, let me tell you about you. Just close your little notes. You close your little okay, notes, they're buddy. Close. They're close. Yeah, they're gone. All right. Oh. Cause school's in session, all right. Okay. <laughs> now I—I mean, honest. I was putting all this stuff together uh, like today during the whole travel process, and yeah. uh, I, I was
1: gonna—I'm gonna be honest. I was a little like earlier today. I was like, I was like, what the heck is Jaron? He's at airports all day. Why can't he? Just freaking. Were you he, mad? I was like, I was like, I, was, I knew you were planning on teaching me one of these days. Yeah. And I was like, I know he's got connecting flights today. I was like, why isn't he taking some of that time? Okay.
0: Well, first of all, I'll have you know that on my first flight, I had to finish the second half of Kingsman: Golden Circle. Okay. <laughs> because I started it on my flight the other day to California, <laughs> and I only got halfway into it, and oh I I had gosh. to turn it off at a critical climactic point at the climactic point in the movie. Yeah. And for two days I've stewed over what happened. Can I tell you, the first Kingsman, infinitely better than the second one.
1: I haven't seen either.
0: The first one's real good, and the second one is horse crap. Wait. Can I say that uh, on this podcast?
1: Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll bleep it out in post. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Let me record a bleep. Bleep. <laughs> so now... Now so I'll no, just I'll copy yeah, that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Copy paste. That's how that works. Tim one time let me mace him. And for some reason my computer won't stop opening PowerPoint. Huh? Doesn't that just not make sense at all? I still I still need I to get taped. How do you feel that someone named their pet after you? Things I learned.
1: Telling it, telling it, telling um it. wait so hold on the the second one mm-hmm. is way better than the first one no and the second one is
0: horse crap no the second one is awful the wait, second one uh, first of all is it is so one... the second
1: one was the one that you watched all yes okay the first
0: one i've i watched before then i watched the second Why one did you
1: say the second one was really good then
0: did I say that? I think you did. I because I've been up since five slash seven a.m. I don't know because <laughs> I'm dying. <tired. laughs> no, okay. The first one was great. The second one was awful. Okay. Um, the the acting was terrible. Uh, it's rated R, so they just cussed a whole lot, like a whole lot. And I mean, like I like I don't obviously I don't have any problem with cussing. Um, yeah. But uh, like it was too much, and yeah. so. Anyway, so I wasted 140 minutes of my life this weekend.
1: 140. Minutes. That's how
0: long the movie was. is. It's a 2-hour movie with Channing Tatum in it for some reason and he played some cowboy, but he wasn't that great at it, but he was really good in Logan There's Lucky. There's was a cowboy? I yeah. thought it was like in
1: like modern times. Yeah,
0: it is. It is, but they, so they're the British uh secret service type people, the Kingsmen are. Oh uh, yeah, the I think Statesmen I remember that. Statesmen are like the kentucky lasso version of the kingsman and they're out here with their secret weapons it's a lasso that can electrocute you and cut you and it's just like that well that's how they talked the whole movie i thought that too tim (laughs) the whole time i was like stop talking like that quit it
1: it's channing tatum
0: channing tatum's in it barely (laughs) like he like he like he's out of the movie for half of it for some reason you I, i feel like they wrote his character in and then wrote it out kind of thing
1: Yeah, there's probably like a financial dispute halfway through the filming. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Speaking of disputes, remember that time that someone couldn't decide if they wanted to name their dog Tillin or Tib? Oh (laughs) my gosh. And they decided to name their dog Tib? How do you feel? How do you feel that someone named their pet after you? Well, first of all, they didn't name it after I knew, did. I knew you were saying that exact sentence. I thought, because like I was literally in the airport earlier, and I was like, I can't wait to ask Tim, how do you feel about the fact that someone named their pet after you? And you were going to respond, well, first of all, they didn't name their pet after me. <laughs> like, I, like, literally word for word, word for word, knew you were going to say that exact sentence. I'm, I'm still not entirely convinced. It's a cute like, little I pupper. I think it
1: was a joke.
0: I mean, I hope it wasn't. They're listening to this right now. If it yeah. was a joke, you got my hopes up. You got me real good. Like the, you, I'm not gonna. I believe, fell for that joke. Like, <laughs> I want to see the birth certificate. What? <laughs> <laughs> Show me the birth. certificate. We're not gonna let that dog be president until I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> until, <laughs> until I, I know. know for sure. Until I know. Oh. No, yeah. I mean, he, they they could take a picture of the little name tag. If when I see the name Honestly, tag that says it, I'll believe it. Here's the thing.
0: Uh, listen, Lizzie and Justin. Listen, if you actually named your dog tib uh please confirm that with me and i will i will buy the custom uh name tag for your for your dog's collar i will do that how I are will they
1: gonna s- confirm it without like the name
0: tag just tell me you named your dog tib yeah and i'll send you i will buy the the collar for that my with gosh. that custom little name
1: and he i'll buy one for
0: you too tim oh my gosh <laughs> Oh, buy you and you and little pupper Tib can have matching collars. Oh, I hate that. They're gonna be shock collars. Oh, <laughs> I would never do that to Tib, the dog. Uh, I would do that to you. For can I put a can I put a shock collar on you? I'll think about the it. The face that Tim <laughs> made. Yes. Yes. I don't know if all of you know this, but Tim one time let me mace him, and that's a different story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so I still I still need to get tased. Um, oh, my God. Shock is kind of close.
0: Oof. Oof. Oh. All right. Oof.
1: I- <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 oh. Wow. In a shocking turn of events. <laughs> listen tim the World of the world's broadcaster 1938 listen it was a broadcast style production by a radio company called the mercury theater on the air all right so every sunday they had a one hour uh, production where they took uh classic literature mm-hmm. and adapted it for uh, like a radio play. So they had voice actors and they had sound effects and they had uh, different stuff. So they did, yeah. uh, I mean- it, they, was
1: it like, um, sorry, you seemed really excited. I know. Like really when, excited. I, when I started talking, you seemed very let down. <laughs> no, I was just ready for your question. <laughs> Um, was it like in the Christmas story when he was listening to Orphan Annie and like, have you seen Christmas story? Yes. Okay. Yes.
0: Yeah. 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 And they have the, the commercial for, yeah. yes, that, that is, that is. And it was a commercial. Yes. That is radio plays like radio. Okay. okay. So, um, because this is in 1938. So there's no, you know, they don't have TVs, uh, in every household kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when were TVs invented? I don't actually know. I don't know. I saw I that know. that question on your face, too, when you looked at me. You are like, did they have? Oh, I mean, like, they, they had, they, it was new. TVs were new. Yeah,
1: you had to be pretty rich to get them, though.
0: Oh, <clears throat> yeah, 1948 I, I is when I television networks started in the U.S.
1: When Cartoon Network started?
0: Yeah, Cartoon Network <laughs> started in 1948. They had Dexter's Laboratory. What? What did you just say? They had Dexter's Laboratory? Laboratory? That's how he says it in the show. I hate you. Anyway, okay, 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 okay. Anyway, anyway. So, yeah, so it is It is just like the Christmas story where they have, you know, it's like a yeah. dramatization of whatever. Okay. And so uh, so the world, of the Worlds broadcast, uh, it sounded like a newscast that was happening, and it's adapted from H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds uh, book about a Martian invasion.
1: Okay. So War of the Worlds... Like the story already existed.
0: Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. The book was already, like, was, Mm -hmm. yeah, is a a classic literature. Had the movie come out yet? Shut up. Okay. Erky. So. uh...
1: I'm going to be honest. My (sighs) imagination of what the rapture was going to be like (laughs) my whole life was War of the Worlds. Like, I pictured everybody just getting zapped by these lasers and their clothes just, like, you just disintegrate here yeah yeah it was very very more war of the worlds than left behind
0: well war of the worlds was actually written by john in uh biblical times <laughs> the, the Apostle, yeah. then hg wells rewrote it in a uh, more modern sense that makes sense and then, it was
1: like the message
0: yes yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> well orson wells version is more the message because it's kind of set in america it's okay, kind of like okay. you know Um, uh, I would say H.G. Wells' version is like uh, the King James version. Okay, (laughs) you know, first translated to English. Mm -hmm. So for a while,
1: there was a period there where everybody like Orson Welles' version, like you couldn't—that wasn't real. Yeah, like it didn't count. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Now I understand. Is that all you had to teach me today? That was the whole lesson.
0: (laughs) Uh, Can't wait to see what Eugene Peterson does with this work. Okay, so anyway, you may know Orson Welles more popularly from uh, a movie that he wrote, produced, directed, and starred in in 1941 called. I don't
1: know if any of us know any movies from 1941.
0: Well, you're gonna. Are you ready? Yeah. Uh, Shrek. I, I caught him off guard with that one. That was good. Anyway, no. So this movie that Orson Welles made that, he, that he's most known for, is Citizen Kane. Okay. Right. Um. And 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 this is what I, I didn't actually know this until today during the research. That's the first movie he ever did. Really? Yeah. And it's like still to this day yeah, considered to be one of the greatest films of all time. Yeah. And then, like that was this first film that he he wrote it. He did everything for it. Mm-hmm. Insanity. So, that's what he's most notable for in his career, but before that, how he became nationally and internationally known was this daggum broadcast. Okay. All right, so a little bit more about uh, Orson Welles' early career is that he's, like, really involved in some smaller stage productions. He was a stage actor. Um, he started that around 1931, uh, was in a okay. lot of... Uh, uh, like Romeo and Juliet productions and plays that already existed. They weren't creating their own stories. They were doing uh, other plays. Plagiarism. Oh. Yeah, plagiarism. <laughs> um, and so, <laughs> yeah. Um, but he wasn't making a lot of money doing that, so he started. Um, I mean, but he wasn't He wasn't making a lot of money doing stage productions, right? So uh, he was supplementing that income by doing uh, radio acting in Manhattan. Um, and so he started doing. Wait. Yeah. Is that how long you wanted to wait for? I saw that look in your face when you were like, wait. Oh, this is a joke here. Hmm. No. What? So when when was he doing, when was when was this? This is
1: 1931. 1931? Yeah. Wow. So he was radioactive before <laughs> the atom bombs.
0: I hate you so much for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was he was radioactive in 1931 but he became so radioactive <laughs> no, so like so he became really popular um, as this radioactive person radio actor in Manhattan. Uh, but he became like so in demand, like he just got really good at it um became so in demand uh, that he would like finish one broadcast and run to a different studio have a few minutes to look over lines and then go live on air for that studio wow um and he was making as much money as hollywood actors were making at the time doing radio acting in manhattan wow yeah That's so wild. so he was like he was kind of known in the radio world
1: were these like nationally broadcast like radio shows yeah yeah
0: okay. yeah, yeah, yeah they were on CBS and so CBS, yeah, Columbia Broadcasting uh, Systems station. It's not station. I guarantee it's not. I have no idea what CBS is. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, Columbia Broadcasting System. Because I remember seeing it and being like, I thought it was station. That's why. Oh, uh, that makes sense. <laughs> so I did think it was station. Um, but let me get back to my notes. Uh, I'm. You hey. know, honestly, I'm gonna commend you here because, uh. As I was writing out these notes, it's very hard to piece this all together. Every week, you just have flawless like flow of information.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's, it's honestly like writing a paper like that you're going to speak. You know. You know,
0: I mean, like, and I was like, Ugh, I'm carrying the grunt of this uh, this dang podcast because I edit it <laughs> and I put it together and all that. But you know, I realize uh, that you do a lot of work as well. So. Uh, this week, step it up, maybe. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. If I'm if I'm teaching and editing it this week, so what are you gonna do? Um, <laughs> fair, fair. Um, hey, yeah, yes. Uh, I
1: I, uh, I think I think we owe our viewers an update. On um, what? <laughs> I don't remember. I'll oh, just- I, I just think it'd be just nice to update. update them on no on Get, what. Listen to this, <laughs> okay? Elon Musk. We talked about Elon Musk a couple weeks. Yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You okay. hear what he just came out with?
0: Um, a flamethrower?
1: Yes. <laughs> he has a consumerly, like consumer, available consumer, yeah. flamethrower.
0: Yeah, and it like shoots like ten feet, and it's like yeah. safe and legal for yeah. you to have.
1: What the heck?
0: And he sold out of them the first day, right? Of course he did. They're the,
1: flamethrowers. Yeah, the dude
0: sold $500 million in flamethrowers from one tweet.
1: What a maniac.
0: Huh. <laughs> Isn't he cool? Well, I mean, it's really, to, like I mean, because they're going to get to Mars and they're going to have to fight off some people up there. So. Yeah, because <laughs> there's going to be Martians. <laughs> they're prepared. <laughs> <laughs> they're ready for it. Oh, I was in Denver today. Really? Yeah. I, f- I flew through Denver. No, just for the heck of it. Uh <laughs> I had a layover in Dallas, and I thought, you know what's going to make this trip longer? I'm going to fly to Denver real quick. <laughs> I've already been up since 4 p.m., uh, so I might as well. <laughs> might as- <laughs> you just got that. <laughs> oh. yeah. So anyway, so Orson Wells. I know it's, we- it's weird. Wait, but what did you do in Denver? Oh, um, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) In Denver, I caught up with your uncle.
1: Um, None of my uncles live in Denver.
0: Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. Yeah, your uncle. John Elway. (laughs) That's
1: right. Sorry, I forgot. I forgot.
0: That's one of my favorite things. That's one of my favorite gags that you do. Tim does this thing Where he just lies To people sometimes And sees how far Down a rabbit hole He can get And then if he gets caught And they're like Wait are you lying And he just goes Yeah <laughs> <laughs> So he tells people John Elway is his uncle
1: Yeah It works out really well Yeah Yeah It does Cause we're both from Denver And I look very similar <laughs> To John Elway <laughs>
0: Um, <laughs> look like John Elway. Uh, so, <laughs> so anyway, so Orson Welles is is a is a radioactive person for like six years, and uh, and then in 1937 he and John Houseman, who is is someone who is uh, big in the in 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 theater culture, because during the uh, the New Deal, which was Roosevelt's attempt to get them all out of the the Great Depression, one of the things they did was they they funded. Uh, theater productions mm-hmm. uh, to one, give artists a job, but also to provide entertainment and to kind of, it was almost like, a, hey, let's boost the morale of of these cities and and, this, and that kind of, uh, by by investing in art. And so John Housman was really involved in those things and came alongside Orson Welles. And in 1937, they founded the Mercury Theater Group, which was, uh, they did an independent theater company. So they continued to do their own stage productions. And they actually did stuff on Broadway through 1941. Um, and so Orson Welles was making so much money from the radio stuff that he was basically funding the Mercury Theater Group. So like they had they had their own little budget, but he was pouring so much money into it that their productions were uh, like better, better than Broadway quality. um wow. Pretty early on in their their little group, you know, because he was just so passionate mm-hmm. about what he was doing.
1: What street were they on?
0: Uh, they were on uh, Easy Street. Uh-huh. Easy Street. Sorry, that's. <laughs> It's a block over from Sesame. Anyway, so <laughs> that's what I thought of, but I took a breath and was like, Do I wanna say that? And then I I did it anyway. There you go. Um, <laughs> but anyway, as part of that theater group, they had a, a rate like so CBS offered Orson Welles a uh, it was it originally started as a hey, we wanna do a summer radio program. On Sunday nights, we wanna give you an hour uh, of unsponsored time. So there's no like, you know, commercial breaks and all that. We just wanna we want you to to take what you're doing, the quality that you're doing on stage, we want you to bring that quality to radio. Um, we're going to mm-hmm. give you 13 weeks, you know, of one-hour episodes on Sunday nights, and that's kind of how it started. And it was a week-long show, or a week-week-long, <laughs> an hour-long show. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't have a big, you know, listening uh, like a big following, uh, much like this podcast. And so <laughs> uh, <laughs> they were, <laughs> so they were an unsponsored uh, radio program and. And so they just took classic literary works and adapted them as radio plays, and they did you know the storylines and all that. Yeah. And so they wrote those scripts themselves. Yeah. So um, the seventeenth episode of the Mercury Theater Ugh, on course, the Air. Seventeen. Seventeen. They did, got. Did so, you know? They were supposed to do thirteen originally, but it was like you know they just kept kind of going with it. Did mm. I know what?
1: Huh?
0: Did I? You said? Did you know?
1: When did I say that?
0: And it was like seventeenth, and you were like, "Did you know?"
1: Yeah, I know I said that. (laughs) (laughs) What? I was like, did I know what? Uh, Yes. Um,
0: Did you know? Okay. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) so... (laughs) No, no, seriously, there's a thing there.
1: I just wanted to ask you again. Okay. So that way we could, like, just... Did you know?
0: (sighs) Did I know what?
1: Oh, okay. Um... (laughs) Dude, it's ironic. So, was the seventeenth broadcast the War of the Worlds one? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting. <to laughs> did it. you know oh that the seventeenth broadcast of that show was the War of the Worlds episode? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is important. Actually, okay. I'm. Okay. When when I was younger, did you know that did I ever tell you that the number seventeen was kind of like that number for me that was like the weird one? You know, the well, oh, like, weird one. Yeah, did I ever tell you that? No. What? Me, me and my best friend growing up. His name is Michael. Uh-huh. He we for some reason, I don't know what it was. Yeah. But the number 17 was always involved with like weird stuff that happened to
0: us. Weird so, stuff. Yeah. And so like <clears throat> really? Yeah. Because so, did you know What? Like what is your favorite number? I don't know. Really when you were growing up, name. did you have a favorite number?
1: I don't I don't think I ever did.
0: Really? I, yeah. My favorite number you're, I'm not even making this up. I'm I'm looking you dead in the eye. My I favorite see number. I
1: you looking me dead in the eye with a smirk in your mouth?
0: Because my baseball number was seventeen in Little League. Weird. The are reason you, are that you seventeen kill me? <laughs> yeah. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> seventeen was like my class number. Mm-hmm. Like you know how they you know, because I was I ended up seventeen. Dude, yeah. seventeen was my favorite number growing up. Weird, yeah, seventeen just—it's it, it, not now. I've evolved. Uh, it's no longer my favorite number. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it just always showed up places, and we were, and so we were always just like seventeen, like haunts us. Was what we would always say, like it haunts us. There's seventeen, like everything that's seventeen is like a bad. It's a bad number. Was uh, what we said. Oh. And so I kind of like joked around, embraced it. Now like seventeen's like like I use it for a lot of different things like. Hashtags. What? <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> I use it for a lot of different things, like hashtags and. Uh,
1: and like the number I put in the microwave. <laughs> and, like.
0: <laughs> if I'm warming up a Krispy Kreme donut, you know how long I put it in the microwave for? 17 seconds. 17 seconds. seconds. Yeah. And if, like... I'm, if I'm putting it in a hot pocket, you know how long I put it in for? 17 minutes. <laughs> 17 minutes. <laughs> to get that we lava coming out of there. Wow! Well, what would happen if we put a, if we we'll update you next week because we're 100 gonna put a hot pocket in your microwave, not in my, right microwave. Not not in in my microwave. microwave, not in my microwave, not in my <laughs> microwave, my parents' microwave for 17 minutes, and I'm gonna tell you, my mom is gonna be like, 17 is haunting us, you know, like. <laughs> Like, all oh bad things God. happen at 17. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Ugh, our house burned down because of got <laughs> yes, 17 the minutes 17. in the hot pocket. Okay, so the 17th episode of yeah. the, of their radio program, okay. it aired on Sunday, October 30th, 1938, at 8 p.m. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they decided to do an adaptation Did people of, stay
1: up that late back then?
0: Yeah, everyone went to bed when the sun went down.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, and they got up and got in their buggies- and went out to the fields and built their TVs out there
1: in the fields Yeah, in the fields. They the fields didn't have TVs yet. They were building build them.
0: Well, I mean, it made sense when you built the house around it. <laughs> the <You're>... wise man <laughs> the wise man builds his TV before he builds his home. No, the wise man Proverbs. builds
1: his house around the TV.
0: Proverb 17:17. 17, 17. Oh. <gasps> oh, ah! <laughs> The face you made. (laughs) What? What are the odds? Um, Okay. (laughs) Anyway, Um, so they decided uh, to do uh, an adaptation of War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. It's a different Wells. It's spelled different, so it's probably not his dad. (laughs) 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 <laughs> 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 probably not we don't know though probably um uh, i mean we know but like but we but, but we don't know but we don't you know um one of those situations yeah yeah um yeah. but like this episode changed everything because <laughs> because mm-hmm. they had already done uh hell on ice around the world in 80 days 17 and howard coach was their main writer for these projects okay yeah, you just throw 17 in that randomly what? yeah I mean, <laughs> I mean that's was that one of the that's plays? one of the the things they did. Yes, this is getting weird. I know, man. You know what today's date is? Uh,
1: <laughs> January 29th. 29th. <laughs>
0: Um, no, but you
1: know it's really weird. We've talked about seventeen a lot this podcast, and for some reason, my computer won't stop opening PowerPoint. What? <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be something to it. Omen? <laughs> Do you think that's? <laughs> I'm just sitting here, PowerPoint oh. opens, and I don't, I don't get it.
0: I hope you wake up in the middle of the night and your laptop is on your chest, <laughs> open PowerPoint.
1: PowerPoint, and it's just seventeen slides of the number seventeen. <laughs>
0: You get to slide 17, and it's a picture of you looking at the PowerPoint. <laughs> You're like, what? I, like, turn around. <laughs> Who's doing this?
1: Oh, oh, guys. <laughs> I do that thing where I try to scream, but nothing's coming out. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounds like something's coming out. <laughs> sounds like...
0: It's like a demons coming out of you, it probably is. Right. Ooh, seventeen of them. Uh, it's a whole, it's a whole family. It's, a, it's the homeschooled family of demons coming out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dominic, <laughs> Devin,
1: they all start with D. They all start with D. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: the Demon D family.
1: They all start with D and wear denim. <laughs> what? We're the, the denim. Den- <laughs> or the denim D. De- <laughs> the, 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 the denim, denim demons.
0: Or demons. the denim demons. Coming to take up your kids. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> denim demons. The denim. If you say that 17 times, <laughs> then they show up. <laughs> this is out of hand. This is out of hand. Oh, okay. Oh, I lost my headphones. There we go. Um, but, yeah. But Howard Coach was like their main writer for these projects, right? So they would give him the project literally a week before broadcast, and he would have to mm-hmm. write a script for it. So they give him more of the worlds they say hey what we're doing on Sunday October 29 or 24th they gave him uh, this assignment and Tuesday like two days later 36 hours before rehearsals are supposed to start Howard calls Houseman in what Houseman described as deeply distressed uh-huh. <laughs> saying he just couldn't make that book interesting like he could not adapt that story and make it interesting for radio okay Um they didn't have a backup plan, so Hassan was just basically like, uh, "Figure it out, dude." <laughs> so, <laughs> so they 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 he wrote a script. They made a read through. Orson Welles is working on a play production, so he's uh, he's in uh, like rehearsals for this show that's going to open the next week. So he's like barely involved in all this process. Yeah, right. So they they write the script. They have a read through with all of the voice actors um, and someone else doing Orson Welles parts, and they record it. And Orson listens to it, and he's like. Uh, no, this is dull and boring. Mm-hmm. He goes, What we need to do, he says, it's got to be full of like news bulletins. It's got to seem real. It's got to seem exciting. We've got to have, uh, we got to have like eyewitness encounters of these, of this alien attack. And we've got to make it uh, suspenseful and, and get, and get can, chaos and get them their attention caught, right? Yeah. So they, they rework it overnight, right? They take it to CBS, and, and and they put in, like, real people's names. They put in real city names. They put in real buildings. And CBS yeah. is like, no, this is too credible. Like, we're going to get sued for using the name of that building. Like, we mm-hmm. can't put Princeton University in here, you know? Yeah. Like, so, uh, so they change some things around. They make it kind of vaguely uh, these places, but they still use real city names. Yeah. And CBS is like, great. All right. So it comes the night. All right. It comes October 30th. Okay. So they have a October period. 17th? Stop. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I heard 17. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, everything you've said this whole time has just been 17. All I hear is 17, 17, hear. 17. Seve, 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 17, 17. So it's 717. 17, 17, 17. I'm going to be honest with you. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Are you speaking words?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it seems like your sentences don't. They're they're just the number 17
0: words with different inflection, and I don't understand it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to need you to start this whole thing over. Yeah, that sounds like you would say things other than 17. (laughs) Uh, So it comes to the night, Tim.
0: I'm trying to teach you some crap, okay?
1: I'm listening. PowerPoint's open again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why PowerPoint. (laughs) (sighs) Ugh. Um, <laughs> so, it, so it comes to the night that, uh, that they have to, they're, they're broadcasting this. Okay. So at, at eight o'clock they do an introduction and they say, this is, uh, the Mercury, uh, theater group and we are Mercury theater on the air. And, uh, they their, their rendition of, uh, war of the worlds by HG Wells. <laughs> and so they do that at 8 PM. Now, there's a lot of controversy on this timing and kind of like what really happened here. The main theory is that, and this blew my mind, because there's a ventriloquist apparently that was like the main event that night because people didn't have TVs in their homes. Right? So everyone tuned into this is prime time spot. This is Sunday night. On? On their radios. They tuned in on their radios because this is Sunday evening. For a ventriloquist. For a ven- doesn't that just not make sense at you all? You can't. Like, that's, that's <laughs> like- <laughs> What?
1: (laughs) Hey what's up? I'm a ventriloquist, but you can't watch me do it. You have to listen. If you just if you close your eyes, I'm really
0: good at it. (laughs) Close your eyes, I'm really good
1: at it. That's not that's not a ventriloquist. I I,
0: I read that sentence and I was like, what (laughs) is happening? That's like David Blaine getting on the radio <laughs> and being like, and now I'm putting the knife through my hand. <laughs> and people are like, whoa, David Blaine's crazy. He's like, now I am literally swallowing a Honda Accord. <laughs> you're like, how is he doing that? Yeah, he, he, it David it Blaine, you consistently same. blow us away. Mm. You are, you're beautiful, honestly. <laughs> <And> so, Gosh. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to edit some album artwork so it looks like David Blaine released that song.
1: I, I love how often we joke about that now. <laughs> And it all came from one night I was thinking about that song. I can't even remember what it was, but I texted you yeah. about that song. And I literally, I said David Blaine because I couldn't remember the name <laughs> of the guy who actually wrote it. And I was like... I was like, was it David Blaine? I was like, no, no that's not magician, no. but that's funnier. So I just said it.
0: <laughs> I mean, David Blaine, his uh, his magic audio special is a top seller because he did some stuff that, like, you would have to see to believe. <laughs> So everyone on Sunday evening in the in at uh, this night is listening to a ventriloquist. They're not watching him. They can't tell. He's probably really bad. Uh, but the people at home are like, we don't know. He didn't
1: even have his puppet when he recorded Literally, it. Literally, he doesn't even He's own a puppet. Sitting there with his they hand. Like,
0: like, can somebody else? Can somebody just make up some ventrilo like ventriloquism? Sure, go for it. Sure, do <laughs> it. whatever. <laughs> Who was in charge of booking that? <laughs> oh. <laughs> but Jeez. so so here's the controversy though. So, uh, and this is why this is important because this is why this this broadcast is, is so significant. Yeah. Um, it's because the ventriloquist got done at 8 12 p.m. Mm-hmm. Right? And then it went to a lesser known singer, and people started changing the station, and then they ended up on this station. Uh, like okay. millions of people ended but up every, on this station.
1: Wait, millions of people tuned in to listen to a ventriloquist.
0: Yep. Is millions. What you're me. They estimate that literally it was probably around 30 million people listened to that broadcast. Of of the the adventurer Coast. yes. Isn't that crazy? Who is that
1: guy's agent?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Like, how did you sell that to the radio station?
1: What the heck? I mean, that is mind blowing. Yeah. Wow. Was Was it Jeff
0: Dunham? Yeah, he was. He's ageless, honestly. (laughs) You know. Interesting. That's why he's not on camera. <laughs> because if you saw him, you'd be like, "Whoa, that guy's creepy looking." He's old. Wow, you look like a you look like a in, in a vacuum bag that's been filled with just regret. <laughs> and a lifetime of I'm a ventriloquist. <laughs> wow. Have you watched the documentary about Jeff Dunham? He has a documentary. Yeah, is it good? Pretty sad. It's like you find out about his life and like it's what you would expect a life of a kid who's a ventriloquist. Like he has in his like He get pushed down the stairs. (laughs) Yeah. I mean like in his middle school pictures he has like a ventriloquist dummy.
1: Oh gosh. Yeah. It's you know he carried it with him everywhere too. Yikes. And I mean
0: now he makes millions of dollars with it. So I mean good for you Jeff Dunham, but also like man, I have friends and that's yeah. a lot better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's pretty I'm sure. Is he married? Uh he was. Yeah. See? Yikes. See? Yeah. I mean and it's hard. And she was like, "Look who's the dummy now." You know, and it was like, yeah. "Whoa." Yeah, All it's right. hard
1: it's hard to have a relationship when you're constantly sticking your hand up dummy's butts. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So anyway, uh, so yeah, so the so the the broadcast, so they people are not done listening to the the ventriloquist now, and they're changing channels. So mm-hmm. a lot of people ended up on this broadcast, but they missed the beginning part at eight p.m. where they said this is a rendition of War of the Worlds. Yeah, right. So that so the way that this I listened I listened to the the hour long uh, special on Spotify good? today. What are you scared? And, I mean, I was terrified. But, like, so the way it starts is it starts, like a, like, a it sounds like a normal radio program. Yeah. Where they do a weather update, and then they go, and now we're down to the Meridian Halls, where you can hear the this music, and it plays music. Um, and then, like, a news bulletin cuts in and goes, we have some breaking news. There's been some explosions on Mars. There's been some flares. Um, but we'll, we'll keep you updated. And it goes back to music. Right? And then it comes back, and it says, we've got on the, uh, on the phone... Uh, you know what's his name? Uh, Professor Pearson from uh, from Princeton uh, to discuss the flares that we've seen on Mars. We've got yeah. our guy in the field, Carl Phillips, and, it, and they go to Carl Phillips, and he's out there and he's interviewing Professor Pearson, right? Yeah. And so uh, he's just like, it's probably nothing. It's no big deal, whatever. They go back to music, right? And mm-hmm. one of the things I liked about this, and because like, I was reading through uh, some of the interviews with Orson Welles about this, is that they uh, intentionally played, because I was sitting there thinking, I was like, this is a long music break. Yeah. And Orson, and Orson Welles put, we did, like, we made the, the, the way he described it was, he said he wanted the music to play for an unbearably long amount of time, because it added to the suspense and realism of the program. Mm, that's cool. So it sounds like it's just a real program. There's just music yeah. playing yeah. for like two minutes. And yeah. you're like, what is going on? And then another news bulletin comes in and says, uh, there has been something that's crashed in this field, mm-hmm. um, and we're going to go check it out kind of thing. So Carl Phillips is voiced by Frank Redick, who Frank t- says that to prepare for this role, he literally listened to the uh, the Hindenburg uh, newscast okay. over and over to get that kind of confused, scared uh, but also controlled radio voice yeah. of like describing an event, but also being scared of it. Yeah. Like which, just the amount of effort that goes into like those kind of details. I was like, oh, interesting. Yeah, so so they're describe so this whole story, the whole storyline is this thing crashes in the field, all right? So uh, Professor Pearson and and Carl Phillips, the the reporter, go out there and they see this round cylinder thing. And Professor Pearson says it's about thirty yards wide, so it's this huge round cylinder. And then something screws off the top, and there's this sluggish kind of creature that pulls that that comes out. And then uh, and then you know there's Crowds that have formed around it, and they have like they have other actors in the room, and they're like, "Go, oh, you know, hey, hey!" Like they're sound, like mm-hmm. they're way back away from the mic and sounding. And they got like police, police being like, "Hey, back up from the seat, you know." Like they've got people. Yeah, yeah. So like, it sounds like if you're listening to it, it sounds real, like something's going on. Yeah, yeah, and it was very well done, especially for for the resources they had, and so, mm-hmm. um, and so the storyline continues of this alien getting out and they start saying that he's like shooting a heat ray at all these people. And then suddenly their, their thing just cuts out.
1: Oh gosh. And then
0: it's just silent for like 30 seconds. Dang. Yeah. And then it comes back to an announcer who's like, uh, we're in uh, New York or Newark, New Jersey. And yeah. like going, and it goes to a different scene. And so it just keeps progressing. Mm-hmm. Um, And what, what was crazy about this is that this is an unsponsored uh, um, show. Yeah. Right. So the sponsored shows every five to ten minutes have have commercial breaks, mm-hmm. but this one doesn't. And so, Interesting. yes. So what happens is, that, and I was reading some of the interviews, you know, and, and that
1: reminds me. I think now would be a good time to hear from one of our sponsors. St-
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. Because we are not like this. We have sponsors. So, let's hear from one of them real quick. I know,
1: I know many of our listeners face the same struggle day in and day out, and that is finding an affordable and reliable company to transport 15,000 plus pounds of their priceless goods. Well, I've got good news. Airhead Transport is proud to represent anyone from all three states, California, Nevada, and Arizona. They'll transport anything you need, no questions asked. Arrowhead Transport will gladly transport couches, radios, cars, airplanes, logs, glue, common glue, rare glue, regular glue, chimney glue, swine glue, bird glue, clothing, consumer flamethrowers, or any assortment of other goods. With Arrowhead Transport, you can trust that our drivers will only fall asleep within the last 15 miles of the trip, which means only 8% of your shipment will arrive without any damages. Choose Arrowhead Transport for all your transporting needs.
0: Yeah, now that we're back, we can talk about. <laughs> Because this is...
1: This podcast is not real life. Everything we're talking about isn't actually happening right now. So if you were worried that right. millions of people were listening to a ventriloquist on the radio, it's not actually happening. Well, so it's that's, okay. So
0: that's what like is allegedly what happened is that millions of people suddenly tuned into this broadcast, not knowing that it's not real. And Uh so what, like, so what some of these actors were saying, so Frank Redick says that uh, suddenly they're recording and they're looking out the outside of the studio and there are police coming into the studio. Uh Yeah. and and they're they're saying like you got to quit this this broadcast right now like so um, the way that the the storyline continues is that this thing wipes out these people and then suddenly there's these big huge uh, there's three of them and then there's five of them mm-hmm. and they describe them going across the Hudson River into New York and the crowds flooding out of the city and and then they say there's and there's more of them coming across the country we've just received a bulletin of them touching down in Buffalo and in Chicago and in St Louis yeah. and so now. Now, allegedly, which I mean we'll get to that in a second why it's allegedly but uh, allegedly like there are people congesting the highways now they've abandoned mm-hmm. their house now they've left because they think they're in danger they just heard yeah. that there's an, action, like, an invasion happening and why and the reason that uh, that they say that some people fell for this was because it's 1938. Yeah. it's between the world wars uh-huh and there's just so much political tension there's so yeah. much stuff going on in the world, because um, they
1: remember it in World War One, and some of them read ahead to World War Two and wh- knew what was going to happen. <laughs> some of them skipped a few chapters.
0: <laughs> and they were like, oh, f- I mean, we've already read the Eugene Peterson version. We know what happens. <laughs> like- but no it's so like they're like they're they're already prepared for some kind of disaster to happen. So some people are freaking out mm-hmm. thinking that calling the radio station, calling the police, the police said there were, actually were a couple thousand reports mm-hmm. uh, or people calling in and saying is this real? Are are we in danger kind of thing. Yeah. And the police is like no. <laughs> like <laughs> You're not in danger. So, uh, so yeah. In some of these interviews, they're saying that like just all of a sudden, there's so many police officers in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just a minute before they were about to take an intermission. So they take an intermission in about 40 minutes. So two thirds of this broadcast is bulletins is mm-hmm. uh, is all this crazy stuff happening, and then they take a brief intermission mm-hmm. uh, and they come back and it's just Orson Welles as Professor Pearson. And the last 20 minutes is basically like a monologue of him kind of describing the aftermath of all of it yeah i be mean, like you know i've been hiding in this cabin for a few weeks now uh-huh. and and he just kind of goes through like the storyline that they had written yeah um and then like so it ends and then it comes back and orson wells is like this is orson wells ladies and gentlemen out of character to assure you that the war of the worlds has no further significance than as the holiday offering it was intended to be The Mercury Theater's own radio version of dressing up in a sheet and jumping out of a bush and saying boo. Starting now, we couldn't soap all your windows and steal all your garden gates, but by tomorrow night, or by tomorrow night, so we did the best next thing. We annihilated the world before your very ears and utterly destroyed the CBS. Uh, You'll be relieved, I hope, to learn that we didn't mean it. And that both institutions are still open for business, <laughs> like he's like they got to get a disclaimer at the end now because they're getting reports of people yeah. freaking out and losing their minds. Wow! Because I'm, I'm just imagining, like, you've just listened to a ventriloquist. You're dumb enough to listen to a ventriloquist yeah. on the radio.
1: So you're gonna think the. So you amazing. are
0: clearly dumb enough. <laughs> but what's what's fascinating me most about this was I was reading <laughs> is that Hitler. Yeah. Mentioned this in one of his speeches.
1: Really, what did he say?
0: Yeah, he said that it demonstrated like the the stupidity of democracy, basically. Wow. Of of that people fell for, mm-hmm. um, of what you know because and and but there was a lot of calls. So like by the by the next day that that October thirty first, over twelve thousand publications had been written about this broadcast. Wow, um, and there were calls for regulation on uh, fictional broadcasts being put out, especially in that style of "Hey, this is a news bulletin." You know, like yeah, how <clears throat> what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do. Yeah, um, there was calls for that, and and what was uh, interesting as well is that there are so there was a a few other local stations uh, like Phoenix and uh, in, mm-hmm. in Tucson that uh, would air the Sunday programs on Monday night. Um, and then CBS called and said, "Hey, don't air that tomorrow." You know, like yeah. don't. Um, and and they interviewed Orson Welles, so he was up all night doing interviews because CBS made him uh, start answering all these reporters' questions as soon as they were done broadcasting. It was like, wow. okay, now you gotta you gotta own up to all this stuff now because people are losing their minds out here. Uh-huh. And they said, like, why did why did you use real towns? Why did you you know why did you do this? Um, he goes. Don't you think you could have had this, told the same story and used uh, not as real language? Mm-hmm. And and in one of my favorite quotes from this, from just Orson Welles, and, and kind of my own, um, um, like my own mindset as far as performing art goes, or mm-hmm. any kind of commitment to your craft. He says, uh, uh, "You don't play murder with soft words."
1: Interesting. I like that line.
0: Yeah, like you don't like if you're gonna if you're gonna commit to that, then mm-hmm. commit to it, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's kind of you know I've had that thought as far as like just Christian movies. I remember there was that movie that came out when we were in high school, To Save a Life. Oh, uh, yep. <clears throat> yeah, and like some youth pastors lost we their mind. We had
1: to watch that in school. Did you really? Yeah. I mean I went to a Christian
0: school but oh, that's that was right that's right yeah yeah we yeah.
1: we had like an assembly and the whole school had to come and watch that yeah. movie.
0: I mean but I mean I remember some like youth pastors freaking out cuz they had a cuss word in it. Oh yeah, that's so bad. Yeah, but I mean but I I agree with it in the in the way of like
1: Oh, it's, I it
0: was realistic. Yeah. You know, it, it was what sense. we heard at school anyway. We related to it cuz if he was just like shut up you you you, you idiot, you know, you're like that's not real yeah you it's not real dialogue that's not reality you wouldn't believe it yeah. right yeah, yeah yeah and um and none of the, and all the actors in this production said that none of them had even anticipated or or thought in the slightest that anyone would freak out and believe this was real because mm-hmm. they and didn't so, know their
1: audience was a Venture Quest audience yeah they didn't a know radio that they had, like they Venture were like these audience.
0: people really will fall for anything <laughs>
1: like what <laughs>
0: What? <laughs> That's what blows my mind is I think this was the Ventralgist's fault. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's a testament to American culture in that uh, people can get away with anything as long as they sound confident. Oh, it's
1: true. It's
0: true. I can get away with almost anything if I sound confident.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I get it.
0: I- we, we have developed a podcast and made it seem like a legitimate thing, even though we have no idea what we're doing, but we sound confident doing it. I think we have an idea of what we're doing. See? I like that. I like that confidence.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's true. It's true.
0: This sentence of, uh, here we sat while network employees were busily collecting, destroying, and locking up all scripts and records of the broadcast Mm -hmm. uh, because the police are pouring into the building. Finally, the press was let loose upon us. asking how many deaths had we heard of, implying they knew of thousands. What did we know of the fatal stampede in a Jersey hall? Um, what traffic deaths did we know of? And the suicides. Like, apparently wow. there were rumors that people, like, heard this. Uh, happening and we're like, Yeah, and no, they were I'm like, out. nope, done. I'm out of here, and, like, just.
1: Dang. Yeah. What like... a letdown that would be at the pearly gates.
0: What? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs>
1: Peter's like you idiot Peter Peter, could you tell me how how it ended like generally we don't tell people um in cases of like if you were an idiot and that's what made you die but I think you need to know I
0: think you need to know that uh you were listening to a (laughs) ventral on the radio he was like yeah he was really good um (sighs) Depart from me. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't know you. Um, yeah, but that just fascinates me that yeah. the, because they because they walked out of the studio to see that the New York Times building had lit up with the words Orson Welles causes panic, <laughs> and that was like the headline for a few days. Man,
1: what a dream! Yeah, <laughs> that would be awesome. See your name in lights like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> See your name in lights. <laughs> oh. oh, man! But that's—I mean—that's the—that's incredible. Yeah, that's—that's that's that's the 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 War of the Worlds broadcast of nineteen thirty-eight.
1: Of nineteen thirty-eight. Wow. I mean, it, I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. it. I and it's 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 really interesting to me that Hitler mentioned it. That like mm-hmm. is super fascinating because that was his like mo is just faking stuff. And, like, he got such a big following because he faked yeah. stuff. Yeah. Let
0: me see if I can find his real quote real quick. That's really interesting to me. Uh, Hitler cited the effect of the broadcast on the American public as evidence of the corrupt condition and decadent state of affairs in democracy. Interesting. So he took something fake and twisted it even further.
1: hmm Man. It's interesting, too, like, stuff like that. It always makes me, like, I've thought a lot about like knowledge claims Mm -hmm. because like there's how do you know like everything that you know how do you know it yeah there's like a handful of things that you yourself have have observed and are like this is the way it is because i've seen it Mm -hmm. grass is green because i've looked at grass yeah i saw that it was green there's a handful of things in your life that you know because of that but I I I don't know what your experience is, but I don't know if you've ever seen Pluto, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I don't know if you could explain what Pluto is made up of, like or or like why math, like certain mathematic things work the way they did, or ways things happen in history, right? It's all somebody who told you this is the way it is, and then furthermore, that person had somebody who told them that was the way it is, right? So, um, it's a long chain of somebody telling somebody and. To me, like I don't know, that's super easy for someone along that line, yeah. to make something up or twist it, or yeah. the first person to just make it up. Well, or, I and, don't know.
0: And 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 what you know, I and they made a pretty big point of in that time that was for the first time, leading up to World War II, in that kind of era, um, people were able to tune into their radio every night and listen to kind of like what our news stations are now. Yeah. Of I mean threat by threat, move by move, what is happening in your neighborhood tonight kind of thing. Yeah. Of all the latest boom, 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 boom. So how easy it is to slip in details or to kind of confuse that with something that's not reality. Yeah. Um uh yeah, it's 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 insanity.
1: Yeah. It was like you seen Anchorman two? Yep. Yeah, it was that moment for radio. I think that's what Anchorman three is gonna be about.
0: You know, do they don't have an anchor man 3? No, not yet. Oh. Patent panning. But anyway, the 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 storyline ends with Pearson, the professor who who they had kind of been asking all these questions to. He fears that he's like the only man left. Um and so he's walking into New York City um mm-hmm. and he uh, it's been a few weeks since it all kind of happened. Um and he's like my old life is no way, it's just gone. There's no way. So He's walking around, and he sees um, a dog, and he hears birds, and he goes, oh, there's living creatures still, mm-hmm. and walks over this hill to see those big machines that they had just obliterated mankind with, um, and they're just laying on the ground, and in this field is just all these Martian bodies, mm-hmm. um, because they, uh, the bacteria and disease that humans have yeah. uh, killed them. Yeah, yeah. And so he's looking around, and he's saying, we defeated it. But at the end, he writes, he goes, it's weird to sit in my office. Uh, uh, Where's that line at? Um, He says, strange it now seems to sit in my peaceful study at Princeton, writing down this last chapter of the record, begun at a deserted farm in Grover's Mill. Strange to see from my window the university spires dim and blue through an April haze. Strange to watch children playing in the streets. Strange to see young people strolling on the green where the new spring grass heals the last black scars of the bruised earth. Like, um, so at the end, it it is uh, almost like a, we're just going to go back to life as normal. It says, strange to enter the museum where the dissembled parts of the Martian machine are kept on public view. Strange when I recall the time when I first saw it, bright and clean cut, hard and silent under the dawn of that last great day. Wow, interesting. It was, and then the music just comes up, and then Orson Welles is like, "Hey, everybody, quit freaking out! Um, <laughs> quit freaking
1: out! Hey, uh,
0: there's no Martian. It's Halloween. <laughs> it's Halloween.
1: Uh, yeah, that the ending of that sounds um, very fam- like it sounds a lot like that 2005 film with Dakota Fanning, Wally." <laughs>
0: It's a lot like Wally. You're right.
1: That is what I was gonna say. Is it really? No, I was gonna say what? zebra stripes, <laughs> racing stripes, <laughs> <laughs> racing <Zebra> stripes. <laughs> stripes. <laughs>
0: the color yellow. I've been up since four thirty-seven a.m. dang it! <laughs> the color yellow. <laughs> Mean the color purple? No, I just With I'm Obra. just saying other things that aren't
1: movies. <laughs> Racing Stripes is a movie, you son of a gun. Zebra stripes? You zebra said zebra stripes. stripes. Okay, hold on. That's just a thing, that exists.
0: Racing Stripes is Dakota Fanning's best work.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is Dakota Fanning even in that movie? Yeah, I don't ah. know. <laughs> I was gonna say it remind. It sounds very similar to the ending of the 2005 film War of the Worlds. Okay. <laughs> What are you doing?